Good afternoon. Welcome to Ask Dr. Lulu, a very special episode today. I have with me just five beautiful souls, five beautiful souls. The first one is Brother Blake, and then, of course, Brother Lawrence, my soul brother, Eric, and my white brother from another mother, Andy. I just love, love me some of these people. But we have a special guest in our midst, and his name is Namdi Oditahana. He just happens to be my son. Today, we're going to talk about some sensitive stuff, some difficult stuff, but some real stuff nonetheless. So thank you so much for joining me. And without further ado, we're going to get started. We're going to touch on trauma and stress and mental health in the African-Americans in the world, really. We're going to talk about maybe if we have time, health disparities, everyday disparities. We're going to talk about premature death in African-Americans. We're going to talk about something called ACEs, which is really deep medicine, but really just means trauma in children. The recent protests, unconscious biases, microaggressions. What do we do? Where do we go from here? Things like that. All the stuff that you wanted to, to know about that you probably didn't want to talk about. We're going to get started. So, Mr. Andy, I'm just picking you guys randomly, but Andy happens to have the letter A, so we're going to call Andy first. So, Andy, my brother. Phew, I don't know what to say. First of all, thank you for coming, right? And then second of all, how are you doing, really? Uh, first, thank you. It's it's really an honor to be here and and to be thought of and and with this group of gentlemen. I'm doing surprisingly well. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I almost feel guilty. Like you know, we've talked before. Like I I even wrote about the other day. Like I, I have a history of of suicide attempts and suicidal ideation. And when it feels like the world is on fire right now, I've kind of been surprised that I haven't wanted to like just give up and check out. Um. So. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I think conversations are what's important. That's what I've been trying to have more of. And mm -hmm. I think that's what will will help us get through this time. Yes, that is true. And then next, I'm going to ask Namdi to un unmute himself and then just do a brief intro and just tell us how you're doing, how you're really doing, because I know it's been, been a rough path for you. Uh, okay. Hi, everyone. Let me know if that sound is coming from me, but... Uh, my name is Nandi Aditahana. Uh, I am Dr. Lulu's first child. Uh, I'm currently a senior at Stanford University, about to graduate in a week um, with a Bachelor's of Arts in Music Performance. And next year, I'll be attending the New England Conservatory of Music in Boston, uh, Massachusetts. Wow. Thank you for having me. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And of course, my brother, Eric, who has the zen of I don't know what. He just brings in the calm. Eric, you want to do a brief intro, sir? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, you know, I'm just grateful to be in a position to support you and your mission, this global mission, and to be here with these other gentlemen. So um, how am I doing? You know, every day is... Um, living in each moment. So uh, much like Andy said, you know, we're, we're, we're here in this time, which is challenging for, for so many. And, uh, you know, we, we, we have the practices. So it's really just putting it into play. It's exactly what I teach to other people. But now it's coaching the self, right? So and uh, every single moment is an opportunity 
um, to be more present. Yes. Right. Because I love that. Because life that. is life is a roller coaster, so we have to ride the wave as it comes, and uh, be very selective as to what input we are receiving. Right. Mm. Yeah. So the, the and if you don't know yet, Mr. Rishi is a yogi, so he's going to come at you with that deep stuff. So y'all be ready. <laughs> Mr. Lawrence Washington Jr., my brother, my brother, how are you doing, sir? How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, yeah. Yes, my name is Lawrence Washington Jr. I am a man of God, um, a father, a uh, uh, a grateful husband. Um, me and my wife, we have five girls, one boy. Uh, my boy is the youngest. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful. <laughs> but um, I'm a speaker coach. I just love to to just see people living the life that they were created to live. So that's what I'm all about. I've, I've served the at-risk youth and young adult population for uh for about 15 years and counting now i'm very passionate about just just helping people you know people who don't have hope i like to be that person to help them get some hope you know um, life is all about uh uh right right now as a father i'm grateful you know as a black man i'm grateful as a husband i'm grateful you know, um, that's just the place that I'm in uh, right now. Uh, just like Andy, you know, I, I uh, lost my mom two and a half years ago and mm -hmm. I went through a dark place in my life. Depre depression, dealing with suicidal thoughts, and I'm just on a mission. You know, now that I made it to the other side, I'm just on a mission to help people make it to the other side as well. So that's just where I'm at right now. You know, with everything that's going on, I'm grateful as a, there's a lot of things that has happened in my life that God has graced me and my family to overcome that I believe has prepared us for this time to win. So, yeah. Yes, indeed, indeed. And that's kind of how we met in that mental illness realm. So I'm glad, I'm glad. And of course, last but definitely not the least, Brother Blake whose podcast is right there, Diary of a Mad Black Man, which I just love. I was just endeared. I was, I was pulled in by the name. So, Blake, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and, and you know, how you're doing, really? Absolutely. Um, first and foremost, I'm grateful to all of you for being here and to be a part of this. Um, a little bit about who I am. I'm a podcaster and full-time podcaster and entrepreneur looking to really grow in this field and create a business for myself. Um, how am I feeling? Uh, I'm actually feeling pretty good today, um, which it hasn't been like that over the past. I really want to say like the two week past two weeks. Um, I went up and down a roller coaster for quite a long time. Um, well, not really a long time but for those two weeks, but it's not something that is new. I guess you could say I've dealt with depression, uh, suicidal thoughts, um, suicidal ideation and things like that in the past. And it's 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 shocking to me kind of like andy said that i'm in such a clear space even though i have had a few panic attacks um probably more than i can count over the past week but i think that that's just the nature of the state of the world right now and i've learned 
through my journey, through therapy, through conversations similar to this, that it's okay to share what you're going through and be honest and transparent about that. Um, what has helped me to be in this space that I'm in today is simply engaging and not running from it, not trying to hide, not trying to, when I feel like crying, I just let myself like, okay, we're finna cry. Let's go. Just let the tears flow, get it over with. You know what I'm saying? Uh, when I feel a lot of aggression, instead of going out and being like certain, some things I'm seeing on the news, I've been choosing to go run and stretch because I feel that everything in this movement has its place. But um, overall, I'm very blessed and fortunate to, um, similar to what some of the guys here said, to be on the other side of my struggles and to have the clarity to communicate that and share that with people. And the more I do this, the more I grow as a podcaster, as an entrepreneur and create this new lifestyle for myself, um, I, I think it's gonna really allow me to position myself to be of influence and help other people because that's ultimately what this is about um at this stage of life it's not about me anymore it's about leaving something here on this earth so that way other people can navigate their life in a better way it brings a quote to mind i can't remember exactly how it is but it says if you leave your story or share your story that could eventually become somebody's survival guide that's right and that's so right. um that's why i'm very thankful to be here today to be having a healthy, positive, and honest conversation about where we are. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you so much. And so that's awesome. That's awesome in a nutshell. <laughs> Power six. So I'm going to start with with my son Namdi, partially because he's the youngest, and it's important that I I, I go to him first, but also because the last few days, heaven knows, I've been asking him, I said, "Son, please, I need you to come on this thing. I need you to come on this thing." So, Namdi, do you want to share with us how? The events in the last several weeks, including your own personal event with the police in the neighborhood here where we live, how has that affected you? And maybe even your brothers in the last several weeks. How you how have you how have you been able to navigate that? What have you done to help you stay sane? Other people have talked about teaching self. That's what Eric said. Gratitude was all over the place. Roller coaster. Two people said that Zen space is important. And then, of course, okay to share your story. So we're going to let you go first, Namdi. How are you doing? How are you able to stay above water, so to say? Well, it's been especially weird for me and other people my age who are in college before this because um, we were all kind of expecting our year to end a specific way and expecting us to experience graduation a specific way. And so uh, the like visceral shock from having to leave where we lived near our universities so quickly and going to all these different places around the world without being able to say like, goodbye um, and also throwing our summer plans into a ride and even further than the summer, um, it started out very traumatic, I guess. And with the recent murders, um, starting with Maude Arbery um, and then Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, it's all been, they've all made me as hyper aware of my race and who I am as I can be. Um, the event that my mom was referring to, or sorry, Dr. Lulu was referring to, 
um, that happened, I think maybe a month ago, the time's gone by so fast, but it was basically that my brother and I, my youngest brother, who's 14, um, he and I decided for the first time to go and run together. Um, and we were running outside in our neighborhood as we usually do. And it was probably nine, almost nine. So it was getting dark and on our way back, I like realized a really bright light kind of farther in the distance down a long road. Um, but it wasn't a car that I was familiar with slash it was moving very slowly. So I wasn't really sure what was going on, but I just kept like my brother was in front of me and I kept us like running in the direction towards our house. And then eventually the car like came up to us still with like really bright lights. And they saw that it was some kind of police, I don't know, police or whatever you want to call it. And so I guess in that moment, I just analyzed the situation and thought like, okay, like how am I going to make sure my brother gets home? Um, and it's like, is that going to cost me my life? Which I would be fine to give for my brother, but it's just a decision I had to make at that moment. Like I need to make sure my brother gets home. But I was also frightened because my brother hadn't been running much. So he was kind of out of breath from the workout and I knew that I still had energy in me, but I was afraid that like he wouldn't be able to push himself to like jet home if he needed to get out. Um, so <clears throat> obviously we're alive and we're safe and we made it home. But a moment like that really put into perspective like how like powerless I am in that kind of situation. I was already aware of it, of course, but um, it was underscored by the fact that I have to like try and protect my brother and I wasn't sure if I'd be able to, um, which, is like a very scary thing as the oldest sibling to like not be able to protect your younger siblings. Um, so that event really did scar me a little, um, especially in the face of Ahmad Arbery's mother. Um, and so what I've been doing to stay sane, um, especially since the protests of, that started, I think, March 22nd or March 25th, um, I've been trying to um, I've been trying to get as much information I, as I can, but also trying to distance myself from things that would re-traumatize me, such as videos of people being murdered or videos of especially Black people being accosted or assaulted by the police, because I, as a Black person, don't need to see those videos for me to believe that that's the reality. Um, of course, I want all other Black people to be well, but I just, I know that seeing those videos will not do anything positive for my for my mental state. So I've been trying to keep, to, to be deliberate in not viewing things that are really easy to just click and view. And I know they'll be detrimental to my mental health, as well as relying on my close friends um, for solace and um, attempting to hold the white and non-black friends or acquaintances I have in my life accountable um, for what they can do with their privilege or what they can do right now to help us move forward. Wow, that's wonderful. And thank you so much for sharing that. Indeed, I, I just want, I needed you to go first because I did mention that we're going to talk about mental health in the Black community. And as you heard him say, you know, God bless him, his first instinct was, how do I protect my brother? But then he also said he recognized right away how helpless he was to really do, to really protect his brother in the end, if, if that situation escalated. So I'm going to start with Eric Rishi, because you are a person who preaches mindfulness. 
hearing him talk, and I'm going to remove the fact that he's my son, and just another black male, because that should be what it is, another black male in America. Hearing him, hearing him share that, how would you say, I mean, not while he's running, obviously that's gone, but how would you advise black men and black women in America who this is our reality on a daily basis, how would you advise us to approach something like this? And I, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, and if you don't know, it's fine. It, I don't know, it's always a good enough place to start, but how would you advise us to, to move on with these kind of thoughts in my head? Like, oh, like, I don't know who you are. And now I realize, as a matter of fact, this morning while I was running, my neighbor told me that someone had called the police on my kids. I didn't even know that. This morning is when I was told that that's what happened that day. So removing myself again as the mother of the children, just as a black woman and a black man, and, and you know, just what do you advise us? How do you have any? Yeah. So, so one of the things that I'm hearing um, from you, you know, it's a it's a vast difference in. When a young man goes through that particular scenario that you just went through and how you describe that is exactly how I was trained as a young man in the Marine Corps. To be aware of all of your surroundings and then to come to that point of decision where you might have to give your life for your brother. But the vast difference is, is I, I chose to go into the Marines and I chose to give my life as needed. You went on, on a jog with your brother. Those are very different extremes. Our mindset might have been identical in that moment. But all you did was go on a jog with your brother. You didn't, you didn't choose to walk into war or to train for war. And yet you're being induced into uh, that same type of scenario. And therefore your, your mindset has to be almost the same as well. And so this could end up being trauma inducing on a micro level to a greater degree if it continues to happen PTSD can set in. So there's going to be a need to respond to this um, on multiple layers and, and also intrinsically into your yourself so your heart doesn't close. Hmm. So your own heart does not close. <clears throat> and then the support system that you'll need external to yourself is going to be required as well, whether that's mom or somebody different, you know, or a team, a team of people. And it's just not, in my eyes, appropriate that you have to go through this mental processing that you did just to go out on a jog. It's just not cool, right? It's unnecessary that you have to be thrown into something like that. But then again, you are. So that's the state of reality, right? So we have to deal with, with the state of what the state of reality is. And so, you know, first of all, make sure the response, you know, make sure you're safe, first of all. And if your neighbors are calling the police on you, well, we, we have a microcultural thing going on right there that's not appropriate, mm -hmm. right? So 
re let's reach out to our neighbors to, hey, we live here. We, we are part of this community with you. You know, so that's another another response. But there's a lot going on inside the psyche that says I have to go prepare myself just to go out on a jog with my brother. You know, so we have to have an intrinsic response to that. You know, yeah. so so symptoms don't set in. And then if we harden our our heart around all this, then the potential to carry that forward is is going to be with us. And we don't want We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. I've heard everyone here this afternoon say, move forward, right? Move forward. And we can't do that with a hardened heart, with a closed down soul, right? So we need to be, we need to continue to, you know, heal this intrinsically and, and stay open and stay open. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to, I'm going to hop on to either Lawrence or Blake, because both of you have mentioned suicidal ideation and, you know, depression, mental, mental health struggles, which if you didn't have it before, you would probably have it now. So how are you going about doing this? I know Lawrence said something about gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. And I love that because indeed gratitude is one of the, the things that they ask you to practice every day to help ward off some of this. But when you go and lay down in the bed at night and you came home safe, because we have to ad admit now that if you go out of the house, we don't even have to go out of the house. You can be in your backyard because we have cases of kids who are playing in the backyard and they got shot. You were sleeping on your bed and you got shot. Lawrence, how, how do you approach it? When your kids ask you questions, how do you approach it? And the children that you work with, the youth that you work with, how are you able to counsel them while also being marked with an X literally on your back, Lawrence? Well, first things first is my my um, foundation, you know, my my uh, foundation, my the 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 essence of my being is like really me putting my trust in God, you know, like, uh, for example, on like this is where I'm at. Like uh, when I uh, when I was raised, raised by uh, both my parents, South Side of Chicago and Flint, Michigan. My mindset towards my parents was I had total trust that my parents was going to take care of us. Hmm. Like I would do what I did, but I knew that because my parents were praying for me, that that I was going to be OK. Fast forward. I gave my life to Christ and that same mindset has now been towards God. So like that, that is like my total like foundation. Like I cannot do anything without just acknowledging that, you know, I'm, I'm only here because God has been protecting me and my family this far. So I operate from that, from that space. Now, when it comes with dealing with my natural emotion, I'm a human being. I'm I'm proud to be a human being. I'm proud to be a man of faith, faith as well. So um, by this time in my life, I've just learned to embrace my faith in God and to embrace me being a human being. As far as the thoughts and the emotions that come with the situations that we're living in right now, as far as me being a father, you know, who are raising six 
children, you know, five mm-hmm. girls and one boy. And like, I have these thoughts of like wondering like, man, like what, like how do I teach my children? I'm, I'm still learning. I still don't really know exactly like what to say to them, but I'm okay with that. Because like, like Eric just said, like, I believe that the, the key thing to dealing with any crisis is first acknowledging the reality of it. So I know and I acknowledge my reality. I, I know that we are living in a country where, where, there, where racism exists. I know that we are living in a country where love exists as well. So I'm, I'm willing to embrace it all, to not just embrace it, but to acknowledge it you know, just face the reality that I know that sometimes I do lay down at night and I do have worries, but I'm okay with having worries. Yes. Because I'm also okay with trusting in God at the mm-hmm. same time. So, so that that's one of the things that I share with anybody that I talk to, young person, old person, it doesn't matter. I just, let them know that it's okay for you to feel the way that you feel. Yes. But I also want you to, you to know that if you are okay with, with a being worried, also be okay with, with having hope as well. Having hope. I love it. You know, it's all about focus. You know, whatever you focus on, your behavior follows. Whatever you focus on, you know, the the way that you operate as a human being is going to show up. So I choose to focus on, on the things that, that are going to benefit me as a father, as a, as going to benefit my children. If I focus on the fact that I made it to the other side of depression and suicidal thoughts, the fact that God has been taking care of us all this time, we have survived the Flint water crisis. We have survived Hmm. financial hardships. Hmm. Depression. Yeah. I lost my mom in my job at the same time. Yeah, wow. This is so good. So basically what I'm hearing from you, I'm not surprised to hear this at all. Hope, 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 hope. But you also touched on trauma, and we have to be honest. Like the problem with trauma is if you get if you meet a bear once, it's just the one time you have the fight, flight, and fright, and you're good. Okay, mm-hmm. and that's appropriate. It's yeah. okay to not be for seeing a bear. My problem is every single day there's a bear. That is when the, the changes occur in your brain. And then that's when post-traumatic slave syndrome sets in. That's when epigenetics and, and all the transgenerational trauma sets in. And so I'm going to hop on to Andy. Andy, I'm hopping on to you now because you have dealt with pain and trauma and, and suicidality big time. Of course, not because of the skin, the color of your skin, but you have dealt with it nonetheless. So you have an idea, in a sense, of what it's like to go through this except not for your skin. So how have you been able to process all of this? And I know you're doing great because you told us that, and I, I'm very happy to see that post, so happy. But how are you able to continue being like the quote-unquote enemy, right, in this case? So how are you able to manage and continue with your own history of pain and trauma? How are you able to continue, you know, just moving forward and, and, and just breathing, literally saying, literally speaking? So, so PTSD has been mentioned a few times, and I'd like to bring out that there's also PTSG, post-traumatic stress growth. Oh, yes. And 
like like from Namdi's experience, that could be isolating and you don't know what to feel. You don't know who you can share with it. But today, right now, the entire world knows this is happening. I, to, to me, to a, a white man of privilege, this time looks different. The whole world knows. Yesterday was the biggest protesting so far. It was the biggest groups and it was peaceful. So for my mental health, I stopped thinking I needed to watch all the news. I stopped after monitoring each protest in every city. Like it doesn't, it, it, I have nothing to do with it. It's, it's beyond me, right? Yeah. So what, what I learned slowly over time is that silence kills. Now yeah. he was able to come home. He's in a, a positive household. He can share his experience. He can process his emotions. I would invite you to use this time Go to the neighbor and speak to them, not accusing. Just say, hi, we live next door. We, under, we, we heard that you might have called the police on us mistakenly and, and open the door instead of closing hearts. Right. That, that's what I would suggest if I, if I was in that situation. But everyone has the right to be human. Everyone has the right to feel their freaking feelings. In Texas, stand your ground state. None of my kids are going to go do that to the neighbors. I don't mind speaking to them, but and I and I know what you're talking about, of course. And and I did that today. I actually spoke to two of my neighbors, and that's how I heard that apparently someone called the police on my kids. These boys went to high school here. I, it's like, what do you you know? One minute they are my cute, cuddly babies. The next minute they are threats. Where it's all right. It's a threat. It's so it's yeah. all this all is rooted in fear. Your neighbor yes. was afraid and then the police get called and now you're afraid because the police got called on you yeah. and it just keeps spreading until we stop and say, despite this fear, I'm going to talk to this person that I don't know. That's the only way can, we can resolve anything. It's communication. That, that's why in the show, why Real Med Feel, I keep talking to people. Why is the onus on us to reach out to people who called the police on us? Why is the onus not on them to Because on you're themselves? bigger. They, if they're they're no. afraid. They're trained to call the police. That, that's what they, they need did. to unlearn that fear. We're not therapists. <laughs> we weren't trained to make people not scared of us. We're human beings. If they choose to see us as threats, that is their problem. We you're, shouldn't you, have to advocate for our right to live. Everybody they has been dehumanized. I'm not saying argue. No, not it's everybody. Introduce yourself. It's not just everybody. Show someone only that you're one, human. They don't see people. you as human. Okay, that's not our problem. I'm the only person here recently that has been seen as not human not the neighbors that called the police on me. So they were not dehumanized. I was. They need to work on not dehumanizing me. And that's You're not, not my work. You're not going to hate anybody. I'm not, who am I hating? Who am I hating, sir? Why do I need to do the talking? They need to come to us and apologize for what they did. I do not need to go to them. They've already shown that they aren't willing to do the work and they're willing to call the police. I did nothing in this situation. So it's not my job to further go and risk my life and astound my stand your ground state to talk to someone who may not be interested in hearing. You, you need to understand your white privilege is making it seem like everybody has the ability to go and talk to everyone. That is not the case in America. It really isn't. That's not the case anywhere, actually. And so you need to understand that what you're trying to tell me is something that's clouded by your own privilege. You have the privilege to think everybody is willing and receptive to learn and grow, and that everybody has the ability to go and talk to whoever they want and educate about racism. These white people here have shown it by the fact that I've lived here, my family's lived here for over five years. They've seen yes. my face. They know that I, yes, they know that I've gone to high school here. They know my brothers have gone to high school. They know one of my brothers is going to high school currently here. And they chose, instead of just minding their business to call the police, that is their problem, not mine. I'm not hating anyone, but I'm also not going to put myself in danger again by going on their doorstep so they can call the police again. 
Yeah. It's just and, insensive and, to hear that from you right now. I would like to say that. And it's completely understandable. Like it's a fresh, it's a fresh wound. It's a very fresh wound. It's completely understandable. Heaven knows I've cried so much for the fear of the unknown. And that brings us to Blake. Blake, I want you to say something about the fact that you said yourself that you've had to hold yourself down, like literally tie yourself to the chair to not go out and do what your mind is asking you to do. So with all due respect to everyone else present listening, because this is exactly why I'm doing this. The whole idea was to see if we can find common ground. We have to keep on talking. I'm a talker, I'm a talker. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to keep on talking. My son is not a big talker, but if he believes in something, he will talk until he's blue in the face, as you can see. So, but 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 Blake, tell us how you have been able to, because it's a similar experience, you and, you and Namdi, Papa. How have you been able to, and of course you're older than Papa, for goodness sake, you're much older than him. So I can understand how hard it is for you to stay still. Still, mm -hmm. you're able to do it. So yeah. how can you, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so, so, so for, for myself, it's actually, let me just tell you guys the story. So it was Saturday night here in Atlanta and it was, I believe one of the first nights that they implemented the curfew and a part of, this was the first night I had, I think like three panic attacks that night. And one of them was me laying in bed. Like literally I was at my friend's mom's house. I'm laying in bed, like crying. And I feel like my body was like running a marathon. Like that's the level of energy that I felt pulsating through my body because I was so angry and so enraged because this is not something that's new to me. This is something I have lived and experienced my almost my entire life. I've been pulled over by cops. I've been harassed by cops. I've had cops do things for me. I felt the effects of racism and white supremacy, which is ultimately what the world is finally starting to see. However, I'm also not a violent person. I mean, if if I'm pushed to that place, I mean, I think everybody in a human reaction would be that. But I know that that's not how I want to respond. That's not how I want to engage in the world. That's not how I want to present myself. So it's been a very difficult balance to find, which is to understand that I understand why people are rioting and looting and inciting violence and why we see that side of the world, because that has been a part of my reality so that's somewhat familiar but what is difficult been difficult for me as i said was restraining myself and controlling that rage and controlling mm -hmm. the anger um because i also know that not all white people are bad just like i know that there are some black people that are not for the movement oh boy <laughs> Again, these are just all thoughts that I'm having, all things that I'm processing, because at the end of the day, this, for, for, and I speak for myself, this movement, the liberation of minds is one of the reasons why I became an educator very early. Mm -hmm. At 19 years old, I decided that I'm going to be a teacher and I'm going to help young kids learn and be able to read and write better. So that way they are better equipped when they are adults to become um activists and leaders in their own community because they have the skills to do so so working and being a part of this movement is not something that's new and so but what i'm also seeing right now is i'm seeing the lack of unity in what it is that we want we know everybody is pissed off and angry there's a lot of people that are feeling a lot of emotions and tension right now but what are we going to do about it i'm the kind of person i'm about action so what is it that we're going to do and so another thing that i'm dealing with is what can i do you know what i'm saying when i look at the reality of my life and the resources that i have available there's only so much that i can do and so that's been 
been another struggle for me to not go out here and just do whatever whatever I want or whatever thoughts come to mind because I do feel helpless at times and like there's no hope. And at the same time, I'm engaged in conversations like this. I had a talk with Andy one-on-one about a week ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been just really, I mean, there was one time I put a video on Facebook and I don't even think I washed my face or anything like that, but it was just me putting myself out there and continually and continuously expressing how I'm feeling and expressing things that I want to see. Like I made a post earlier today that said all cops should have body cameras that they cannot turn on and off. And then there should be a separate um, national authority commission committee, something that monitors that, that uh, video footage. And so again, it's a balance that I'm having to find between being creative, being a leader, being reasonable, being intelligent, speaking with poise. And at the same time, it's like this other side of me is like, at this point, I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I, my This is generations of trauma. I think yeah. that that's something a lot of people are missing. Yes, um, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery were the most recent hashtags and deaths that unfortunately occurred but there's a list of people that have died and then didn't think about the people who didn't make it to be a hashtag we didn't even, even the who, did not get, who did not get videoed you see that's the thing and i'm glad you went there yes you know the people who the, the non-judge floyd is what i call them that, that we didn't catch on tape and you know hey you know what in, in Igbo land they whenever you wake up is your morning so now is the morning of the world to see what we've been seeing for 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 ages and i didn't want to i didn't need to yes. cut you off but that's that's a great no, point yes I mean, that we didn't it. Even see. that's exactly it so for myself it's like i'm also another part of my first frustration and how I'm dealing with this is trying to find my role in this movement at this point because I'm not a teacher anymore um, there's a couple podcast episodes I was to go and find out about that and why I left teaching but I'm struggling with where is my role in this movement how am I using my life and my skill set and what it is that I know I can do to help push this movement forward and so where I'm at right now is just doing things like this doing what I can with the resources that I have. And that's been somewhat of a challenge, but the more I do it, the more I engage with it, the better it becomes and the easier it becomes. Fantastic. I'm so excited that we're doing this. I mean, I'm looking at, they have 36 comments. I don't even know if I can go through all the comments. So this is generating a lot of buzz. I just want you guys to know that, by the way. So kudos to y'all. This is wonderful. I'm so glad we're doing it. And everyone's being honest. So I'm going to hop on to Namdi Papa. I'm so so weird calling him Namdi Papa, my son, and ask him, because when the, when the home stretch now, what, if anything, do you think we should, and, and please everyone just know that this is not written on stone. These are all personal opinions. But what do you think we should do, Namdi, beginning with you? And then we're going to go around Namdi, Eric. and everyone. So tell me, what do you think we should do from your own standpoint, besides having dialogues like this, which I'm so happy that we're having, but what else do you think we should do? Namdi, I'm going to go with you first, sir. Uh, could you elaborate more on the question by what do you think we should do? 
So because I know when we've been having our own conversations, just the two of us, you've had so many great ideas. And if you don't know, if you listen to me, my son literally coached me for my TV interview two days ago. Like he, I mean, I had the basic information, but he coached me onto like the, 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 the right things to say. I know you have a lot of that now, so don't be shy. Police, from police defunding, I mean, yeah, to all the stuff you were telling me about last night, all the things you were passionate about. So, and if I wasn't clear, that's, I just mean, what do you think? We globally, and of course the government, and then, you know, you know, something like that. We've talked about individually. We're talking about the government now, the extended we, the extended people. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I guess there are different we's here. So there's like we society, and then there's like we uh, black people, and then there's like we ourselves, like just us. And so as far as we society, um, I think it's blatantly obvious um, at this point, if you look at many of the protests, they're all calling for uh, a specific action to be taking place in all these um, local governments and even nationally. And that's the um, abolition of police, um, defunding of police programs everywhere. Um, many communities of color historically have been terrorized um, by police, which were originally slave patrol. Um, and many people, um, in fact, like to use the analogy, and I don't even think it's an analogy, this is just historically true, that um, slavery was never abolished, it was just changed into prison. And that makes police officers slave, slave enforcers, like whatever you want to call them. And so the amount, the billions of dollars, in, in Los Angeles, they, they said something around $6 billion was being put into the police program um, those billions of dollars can go to actual needs in these communities of color. Um, these are the communities that are being over-policed by um, LAPD. Um, no good is coming from extra white men with guns, white and black men with guns, all kinds of men with guns coming to just shoot and terrorize these communities. People have been calling for this for years and it's especially come to light now that um, we do not need police. It isn't a snap your fingers kind of deal, like it will take some time, um, but police truly serve no function for communities of color, and some would argue all communities, other than instilling terror and maintaining the power of the wealthy. Um, so I believe police abolition, defunding of police programs and reinvesting that money into poor communities, working class communities and communities of color is where we need to go as a society. We as black people, because I can't speak for other people who aren't black, we as black people need to hold our non-black friends accountable. We need to let our non-black friends know that if they want access to us, access to our talents, access to our joy, access to us as human beings, they need to stand in solidarity with us. And what that means is white people, white people need to use their privilege to go and talk to other racist white people about what they're doing. White people in our neighborhood, the white people that informed you that, um, you know, my brother and I were someone called the police on us, they are the ones who need to take initiative and find whoever it was that called them and explain, in this community, we don't do that. In this community, we do not call police on, you know, people jogging. We don't, especially not black people jogging, we just don't do that. White people need to hold other white people accountable if they want access to us because Blackness is a commodity nowadays, and everybody thinks being Black is cool. Everybody thinks Black culture is cool, but actual Black people are weirdly expendable. 
So that needs to change. Non-Black people need to use their privilege um, and aid us in amplifying our voices and holding racist white people accountable. It's not enough to just not be racist, you have to be anti-racist. And then we individually, um, I think everybody, and this is a theme so far, everybody needs to know what they need to do to take care of themselves. Um, for black people, I know like you were mentioning um, how you find it, you find it for yourself that protesting or going out and doing those kinds of things is not personally right for you. And I think that's completely valid. You should not go and protest if you don't feel like you should protest or go out and loop if you don't feel like you should loop. But um, whatever black people are experiencing right now is completely valid and however they feel they need to express it after 400 years of oppression and 50 years of basically Jim Crow, they should be able to express it, especially if it's at the expense of the system that is committed to, to oppressing them, actively yeah. committed to oppressing them. So if that means you don't want to loot, then don't. If that means you feel that you need to loot because of whatever, then that is your thing. But Black people should 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 be able to deal with whatever is going on, however they see fit for the first time in history, honestly. Um, and I can't speak to what white people or non-Black people should do for themselves, but I know it needs to be in um, alliance with the cause um, if they want access to Black people in the future. Ah, I told you guys this kid was smart. Like, if he wasn't my own son, I'd be like, can I marry you? Like, this is so cool. And look at that face. Look at that face. Boom. Straight up. No emotion. This is my son, y'all. I told you guys. It's full of the good stuff. Thank you so much. I mean, I, I you know, I couldn't even catch up with the comments and I just, I just left it. But folks are quoting you. I'm about to tweet. Somebody said, it's not enough to be racist, but you have to be anti -racist. That's a tweet. That's a tweet. Y'all want, yeah. please somebody tweet it for me, okay? Say Dr. Lulu's son. Don't be leaving me out there. Put Dr. Lulu's son. <laughs> I got a smile. But you know, but honestly, and, and, and thank you. I had to go with him first because I know he has to go to, to whatever he has to do soon. But I wanted you all to hear this little guy speak. Because you know, when I say it, they say, oh, it's her son. No, it's my son. But he's got something. I, I, I can't catch up with them. I can't catch up with all the ideas that he has. So now that he has spoken. I have something to, to, to add to that. Because mm -hmm. uh, Namdi, that, that was absolutely beautiful. I, I completely agree with most of, of what you said. Um, however, for, for myself, I'm, I'm doing two things. Really three. Um, one first thing I want to say is the defunding of police. I feel that police are necessary, but not in the form and function that we currently see them. So mm -hmm. I think we need to completely and, and completely scrap the structure of policing and rebuild it from the ground up. Um, meaning that the way that we hire, train, um, even the different type of weapons that the police carry, like I think all of that needs to be restructured because. For me, I see the way society is. There is the need in some places to pick up the phone and call somebody for help because, and, I, and I'll say this, as a child who has witnessed domestic violence in my house, at one point in time, I wanted to be a police officer because they were like the saviors that would come when my own home was not safe. Hmm. And at the same time, as an adult, I realize that the way that they're policing these communities is not working. So again, like you said, $6 billion. Yeah, let's cut half of that and invest it into the proper education, the proper Ooh, resources, yes. the proper yes. resources. So that way the police aren't necessarily needing to be called as much. 
Um, something else that I think we need to do um, as a society is be more honest and be more transparent. I find that in a lot of spaces or in, specifically in news media, like you guys are showing there's a video circulating online of somebody being murdered, but we're still censoring profanity on TV. And so I think that a lot of times for my I speak for myself when I say this, when I'm trying when I'm spending time trying to filter what it is I'm saying, a lot of times it doesn't get the proper message out at the same time. I know that there's certain ways to say certain things in certain ways in certain spaces, how to engage. But as a society as a whole, we need to become more honest and we need to be honest. Like if, for example, white people, if you know there's some racist people in your family, you need to call oh, them no. out. And let them know what it is and, and let people know that these are racist. This is why I am this way. This is why I was raised, why I believe this way, because there's racist people in my family. So I definitely agree with you there. Um, something else for my and again, I'm speaking to myself, but I feel that everyone, specifically black people, is we need to be. I am in the process of learning this system that I am a part of. I am in the process of learning what local state um officials and elected positions there are what the what this system actually is because i think a lot of times we look at the federal government we look at the president we look at that level and we don't realize that we have the opportunity within our local communities to really influence the change that we want to see you know what i'm saying i'm looking like right now i'm researching trying to find the the, the up-and-coming municipality the new city the new area that is trying to that is not trying that is going to completely defund or or take 75 percent of the police budget and put it into the education system with proper strategies programs and procedures behind it that we're going to see benefits because what i'm also knowing is that in this life that this is going to be a lifelong journey and so we need people to understand that you are going to have to be active in this movement it's moves beyond just talking about it. you have to educate yourself so that way you can be about it and actually be able to go speak to the local da's the local judges the local city officials go to the um housing authority meetings where not a lot of us are showing up to you know what i'm saying the things there are things that are out there but again like my i speak for myself and i say this i'm in the process of educating myself and understanding what power do I really have? I know I can vote for the president, but who else can I vote for? Who you, it, and I even was riding around the other day and saw that what the local the sheriff. What can I run for? You know, you know, what can I run for? What position yeah. can I run for? You know, what community can I become involved in? What, you know, how can I become, you know, and maybe not necessarily be a congressman, but work for and rub shoulders with people of congressmen so I could be that voice at the table. So there's I think everything that that, that you said, Nami, is valid. Um, but I just wanted to add that as well because I think it's beautiful that. To, to be at your age as such a young mind to have that kind of insight already yeah you see your mom trying to trying to big up you right now because yeah that, and that's, what we need. that's also something that's going to be required is people are going to have to be educated and aware of what is actually happening and the truth and the real history of what it is we're facing this isn't and again, I'm not taking any valid validity or value away from the most three recent deaths that we've seen, but this is not new. And we have to now be organized and strategic. And like Killer Mike said, plotting and planning on what we're going to do next and how we're going to actually do something and take action to make sure this does not happen anymore. 
Fantastic. I can't even put it any for any better, but I do know that something happened last night and I had a conversation with my son. We we're talking about the, the DC police that changed the streets and I'm, I'm not going to let him speak again because I know he will, but that changed the street name and I was actually happy. And then they put, I, mean, I think the, not the police, the DC mayor, and then they put the street, a Black Lives Matter street. And then unbeknownst to me, it was like a facade. And then they went to the back and we're doing other things. I'm like, oh my God, like, we don't know who, we don't know what, we don't know what we're doing. The bottom line is black people are being dehumanized and being re-traumatized. Those two things I know for sure. Eric, Rishi, you've been quiet. Thank you so much. Ah, you heard, you've heard the conversation. You've heard where we're going. And again, mm. I want to mm. thank Eric and Andy again, because it's important that people know that these two men did not have to come. I asked them and they were like, I'm in. So they're here at the table, like um, Blakey said, and we're trying. We're all trying to work together. And this is important so we can take it back home and then maybe come back next week. Wink, wink. All right, <laughs> Eric. <laughs> so Eric, what do you have to say? I mean, what do you have to say about where we are now, where we can go from here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and thank you. And I'm not a fast responder to people texting me or messaging, but when when you did, no, I'm here, right? So thank you. I love you too. Um, you know, and, and, and Blake hit a lot of points right on the head and, you know, getting getting educated and re-educating. These are important things. You know, one thing to keep 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 in mind is we we can be elected into office. Right. We our our country elected a black man into office as president, have we not? So let's not forget that we can create and be anything we want to create and be. So I think, Blake, you hit a lot of really solid points with everything you just said. Um, one comment on the police. Um, I have a lot of police um, as friends and they are they are black men. They are black women. They are Asian men and Asian women and uh, people who have parents who are not even from the, the United States and then their children are born here. So um, and they're, they're all good people. They're all very, very good people. Um, I, I think it's again comes down to individuation in, in, in that regard, because um, there's obviously police who are absolutely horrible, you know, too. So, um, so m moving forward, you know, um, yeah. If we're if we're gonna if we're gonna close down this space, then we're gonna be in trouble, you know. So we we need to go into our practices. We need to go into what Lawrence was saying earlier and, and stay in our faith. We need to stay in our faith. And, Fantastic. So, and I definitely agree with you that, I mean, the change has to come from within. I think at this point, the reason, the reason, the reason why black young people, white young people, Asian young people, Indian young people, I saw them protesting is because they're done. North Korea, Canada, Nigeria, Liberia, they're all protesting. They've all seen that this is not good. I'm a little bit concerned that number 45 is not, you know, it's like not aware. And I know he's a figurehead, I know that, but still, I'm saying maybe as the leader of the free world, if you maybe say something, can you just say something rather than making up stories? Oh my God. All right, I'm I don't, just gonna I don't think there's anything that man can say that is gonna help the situation we are point. currently in. Well, there you go. And my son agrees with there's you. So there you can go. say that it's gonna help the situation. I, I truly believe that. And I'm sorry, I don't yeah, mean to cut you off. This is a generational thing. 
I think people like 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 me, I'm 30 and I know Nambi, you're younger than me. We kind of grew up in a very special era of, of society. And so we have kind of seen what our parents and grandparents went through. And I and I speak for myself, I don't know if you feel like this. I'm not about to go through what they went through. I'm not about to spend 30 years on a job dealing with racist people making little sly comments and doing little stuff in meetings that are pissing me off and got me going home stressing out my family. Okay. So I know that and I, I, you know, I speak for myself and I think I speak for a lot of millennials and the people that are in my age bracket that it is time to stop. It is time to, if we have to burn this building down, then that's what we're going to do because clearly us being nice and trying to talk and have peaceful protests isn't working. And so I think that as we, move into positions of leadership and um, positions to influence change, we will start to be able to structure things so that way the following generation coming up after us won't have to fight as hard and won't have to see and live through as much trauma as we are currently going through, still just like our parents and our grandparents. But I'm going to be honest, again, I speak for myself, I'm a different breed. And that's not to say that anything that my um, parents or grandparents or as the term says, ancestors did wasn't right, because without their actions, we would not be in the position that we are. But I, I speak for myself and I think I may and this may relate to a lot of people my age is that I want to follow suit in that so that way I could be sure that my life enables the next generation to come and continue this movement and make it somewhat easier and better and kind of, like I said, um, be the survival guide for the next generation. Yeah. Exactly. And some, in fact, somebody just mentioned in the comments, Maria Asogwa mentioned, she's my patient's mom, mentioned to empower kids and do not be afraid to aspire for leadership positions in high places, go into the police and be the reform that the police is needing. This is, of course, this is all typed, you know, this is all typed when it comes to practicality. We're at 64 comments, y'all. This is gathering a lot of buzz. So well done. Congratulations. Mr. Andy, I'm going to hop on to you. So as far as you've, you've kind of been listening to what I've been hearing, and I know this is, this is kind of, and I've, I love you because you've been very open from the get-go that, you know, hate cannot conquer hate. We know that. Love is everything that can. But that aside, we're talking about small children playing in their backyard getting killed. We're talking about a woman sleeping in her bedroom getting killed. So I'm sure you can understand a little bit why some folks are tired of being tired of being tired. So where do you where, where do you think about society now? We're talking about society now. What do you think society can do to move us along as white America, as privileged America that you are? So a couple points. Yes, sir. Things that you've always known that that black Americans have always known is becoming more apparent to white America. If you're a black male, every crime is a capital offense. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's news to most of white America. So eyes are being opened. You know, we, we've already talked about the, the defunding of police. If you had told me two weeks ago that a city as big as Los Angeles was considering defunding the police, I would have thought that's impossible. That that's not a thing, but it's happening. So the, the peaceful protests are working. The, it, it's not it's not just a black issue anymore. It, it's a human issue. It's an American mm -hmm. issue. So that's great. Um, and one thing I invite everybody to watch a documentary on Netflix called 13th. And it's what Nambi talked about. It's about the 13th Amendment, how slavery was abolished unless you're a criminal. So slavery became prison and more black men were put into prison so there could be slave labor, be under control. So it's a fan, I've watched it twice. I get the new things out of it. So that's something I invite everybody to watch. But it, it takes dialogue. It takes a willingness. And I think, you know, more, more people 
more white people, more white friends are willing to say and recognize they've been a place of privilege. Six months ago, these people thought it was nonsense. A month so, ago. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm talking about the people I know. I'm, I'm sure each day somebody's waking up that, wow, I guess I'm starting to see it. So mm. people are dumb. White people are dumb. We've been, and some people are against privilege and notion because they think somehow if you have all the rights that I have, that somehow I lose some. So yeah. that's one of the fears, right? Yeah. We, we are yeah. humans. It's, it's human rights. And this country was built on the dehumanization of people. Yeah. That's where the systemic part of the systemic racism comes from. So it's going to take a while. It's going it's not going to, there's not a quick fix, but I do see the changes moving. There's more, I have more hope and faith that, that I might see a day where everyone actually does have the same rights, um, where I, I really didn't think I, I was. But um, that's what it is. It's a societal issue. It's a human issue. Once we see each other together, once we allow ourselves to rehumanize everybody that we meet, and even the people mm -hmm. you don't meet, because that's, that's the thing. If I don't know you well, it's easy to quickly judge you, right? Yeah. We've, we've all got to be aware of our, of our judgments, of our, our snap decisions, but it comes from being open and having conversations like this. And again, I, I thank you for inviting me and I applaud everybody that's here and watching and commenting too. Yes, sir. Lots of comments. I didn't realize that if you're on StreamYard, the comments come and then they go. So I can't even go back and they just come and then they go. So, I mean, it is what it is. But um, just so you know, if you are black, every case is a capital case, is a tweetable moment. So again, if you're watching this right now, there's a bunch of people watching, do me a favor, share this video, click like, click share, tag somebody who needs to watch it. There's no way we, we can get the word out there if we don't get the word out. We have to do the groundwork. So do me a favor, thank you so much for watching, but do tag someone and please share it. There's a bunch of shares already, but just keep on sharing. I wanna go back to something that someone said about the capital case thing. Do you know that there was a story about a little guy, a, a young man that was that crossed, that ran a light, and he was chased home by the police. This happened recently. And when he got to his grandmother's house, his grandmother came out of the house pleading for the police to please leave my son alone. And he got a felony for running the light. Do you see the amount of trauma? Like, I don't even know if I, and I think I'm gangster, but I don't think if I can even handle that amount of, pressure that poor woman collapsed i mean i'm just saying and i you know we all know the stories you just have to look them up i'm not making it up but just so you if you're watching me and you've been living on a rock and you don't know that these things happen this is a policeman these are people using their power the wrong way so i am 110 percent for defunding once my son said it to me yesterday i went and looked it up i was like what is this what is i went i'm like oh my god i am for defunding defunding the police all day because this little boy has been I know for the rest of his life, he's gonna have nightmares. His grandmother might not make it. This is real trauma. And it's like tomorrow, another policeman can do it to him. And then there are those who are not wearing the uniform, who are not police, which I call them too cowardly to join the police force, who think that they can just shoot down the armored arteries of the world. So as you know, we are talking about it, but I'm asking you, it's like a grief process. And I'm a, this is my hat, my doctor hat. The grief process is long and you cannot tell anyone how long they should grieve. And I've heard people say, oh, please, slavery is over. Oh, please, that's from way back. Well, it's not. It's not. It's a re-injuring. Re we've never been allowed as a people any time to actually 
recover from the past hurts and then new hurts. As a matter of fact, there's a study that showed that in a city, in any city in the US where there has been police brutality on unarmed black people, look this up, the black people in that city have had sustained for about up to three months mental health issues, i.e. anxiety, PTSD. I want you to just take that, just let that sit in for, with you for a minute. So you see that this is not a joke. It is real, the clear and constant danger. Is that what they say? Present and constant danger, whatever, to us every single day. We could finish this show now, and my neighbors can decide that they want to shoot me. It happens, and then they're gonna to get to court. It's gonna take forever to get charged, and all this nonsense. This is re-traumatization, so many things. So, Brother Lawrence, you're gonna close it up for us because we are over three, and I promised my son it was gonna be an hour. Okay. Can you, tell, can you just kind of just wrap it up for us? And I'm gonna do, because I think we should all do this, I'm gonna do five minutes only of guided meditation because I think we need it. Or maybe I'll let Rishi do it for us because he's the meditation guy. I think everyone has been watching, um, Honestly, we, we, we need we need something to close. This has been a charged moment. Oh my God, thank you all so much. Thank you, Papa, and I call him Papa. So pa Papa, thank you so much for, for coming. Lawrence, you know, Andy, Rishi, Blake, thank you all so much for coming. But Lawrence, close the, close the, close the I don't even know what I'm saying. Just take it away. Yeah, well, first, uh, let me just say thank you, Doctor, uh, once again, for just allowing me to be here you know, to engage in this powerful, impactful conversation. Thank you, Namdi, man. Thank you for your insight, man. You you are remarkable. My goodness. And Andy, thank you so much, you know, uh, just for being transparent. Yes. I think what, what we saw earlier between Andy and Namdi. Is real. I think that's real. And I think that's something that's actually going to push us forward. Yes. With having those type of conversations with with the white man to be that honest enough to just share his his solutions, whether it's right or wrong. But he was honest enough to share his solutions so that now we were able to hear the heart of Nam Namdi, who not only represented himself, but he represented a whole a whole lot of black men who who feel the same way. And this is something that we did not have. Years ago, we didn't have conversations like this. Mm -hmm. we, we were not in a position to be heard. Uh, let me just start off also by saying this. When I say that I am a man of faith, I know a lot of people probably, they automatic, automatically think, from my experience, they think that when you say um, that you're a man of faith and you're all about hope, it's like you come from a place of, of just uh, a la-la land. No, no, no. This is a, a real place, but I'm all about action. Action, and and the main word that that keeps coming to me during this time lately has been accountability. Hmm. This this generation that we're living in now, just like Blake was saying, I feel like there needs we don't need a change. We need transformation. Mm -hmm. We need our minds as a nation to transform into the buck stops here. Yep. We've gone through what we've gone through. Our, our ancestors have gone through what they've gone through. But guess what? As a nation, we're saying as a nation that it stops here. 
yeah. this generation. And I believe, because I'm a man who is so super passionate about purpose, I believe that we were born at such a time like this to solve Earth's problems. Amen. It's a problem. So I believe that everybody on this live was born to solve this problem and not just the president. I believe that the solutions are trapped on the inside of each and every person. I also believe that when it comes to accountability, all of our actions should should be surrounded or around accountability, whether we form different social groups to hold our leaders accountable, whether we form different programs within the community, getting involved into the community, as long as whatever we do, it has to hold our leaders, it has to hold each other accountable yeah. or or for, for treating each other equally. I think conversation, I think that more, more white people who are against racism, I do agree with you, Nambi, should hold each other accountable. As a matter of fact, somebody yeah. mentioned that in the in the comments. They, they, they said Dr. Lulu's neighbors who told her about throwing calling, they should hold their neighbors. They, they should tell them that we don't do that in this neighborhood, which exactly. was what um, Andy said. They should tell them. Exactly. And I'm a little frightened little boy. I'm not going to let my child go. No. That's the mindset that we have to have is a, it's all about accountability. You know, like, for example, you know, I think about the, the, the Bible when it talks about Apostle Paul. He held Peter accountable when Peter was, was, was uh, acting prejudice towards the Gentiles. He... he he, he called him out. He confronted him. And God even confronted Peter as well with the same issue. Like there's nothing new up under the sun. I believe that accountability will break the cycle of what we are experiencing today. Amen. I just posted the other day how with me just being honest with myself and I and from engaging in different conversations, I'm noticing how I've dealt with racism a lot of times in my life. And the fact that I've, I'm just not like really becoming present to how much I've dealt with it, it lets me know how I've been programmed to, to just tolerate it. Mm. Oh, wow. That's but, deep. That's deep. That's the mindset that we need in this generation. We need a mindset that is transformed into saying that the buck stops here. Coming from a place of love, Eric. Coming from a place of 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 uh, just just being open and honest, and for black people not to be okay, and not to let anybody make you feel like it's not okay for you not to be okay. It's yeah. it's okay for you to feel the way that you feel. That's one of the things that I had I had to <sighs> when I lost my mother. That was the one. That that helped carry me through. Like was that God told me that it's okay for you not to be okay. It's okay for you to be angry, for you to be upset. I was angry, upset, confused, and and I was okay with it. Mm. My wife was okay with it. Mm. it. Allowed me that space and that time to process what is going on. Yes. A lot of times we see people going through and we are so quick to try to give them a solution. No, a lot of 
because I work with average youth. I'm not always quick to give anybody a solution or tell them what they should do. I am a person. I am a coach. I like to help people and guide them into discovering the answer for themselves. I believe that whatever it is that you are supposed to do individually, the answer is trapped on inside of you. You just have to discover it and take full accountability and 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 hold yourself accountable to saying that I was born at such a time like this. Therefore, I whatever actions that I need to do, I I, I must do it. Whatever solutions that I think of that's going to bring me peace, follow peace. Follow peace or whatever decisions that, that come to your mind. If it's peace connected to that, go with it. We'll go with it. Thank you so much, Lawrence. I was going to actually, what, what you said kind of went back, reminded me of what Namdi, my son, said earlier, much earlier about how if he had to be with his, saving his brother. Oh, my God. I, I, I didn't want to cry, but that, that got me. That got me. He said if he means his life he, for his brother, that got me. And so that's, the, that's what we want people to do, whether you're black or white, to see that if it means laying your life for somebody. You know, I was asking people, I said, why do you think all these protests are happening across the globe in spite of a pandemic? Yes. Ask yourself that question, because sometimes you have to see that the mission the mission is bigger than you, and and that's what's gonna keep you going. My brother said, "Sweet, he was telling me about starting my business." He said, "If your if your if your dream doesn't scare you, it's not big enough." He said, "Go with the dream that's big enough. Go with the United Nations dream. Go and and start." And this is what this, this young President Obama said. He said he was so impressed to see the young people at the march. Let them like, we're tired of being tired of being tired. And white, black, blue, yellow, all of them were the tear gas us. We cannot, we cannot finish all of us. And so if, if there's any message that we need to take home from this is the fact that my son said he will lay down his life for his brother. He, this was unscripted. This was like, I didn't even know what he, as a last night, he had not sent me his picture, y'all. I had to breastfeed this boy over again for him to give me his picture to agree to come. Like this was like, um, for me, I have, my life's work is done, getting him on this show today. Oh. I want you guys to hear me when I say, don't let this be in vain. The past hour we've come here, opened up our hearts. Don't let it be in vain if you're watching me. Lay down the swords already. Stretch out the hand of, of, of peace, but be okay with me not wanting your hand yet. Be okay with that and then keep going. You know, the Bible people say 77 times seven. So we, twice is not enough. Seven is not enough. Keep going because it's going to take a whole lot of all of y'all believing that this is real. And I, I was on a Facebook group and I, and I did a page, a post and I said, I want you guys to look at my face. I said, look at my face. I'm the face of a mother who wants her kids to come home every day. This is who she is. This is what she looks like. And uh, Eric, take us away because I'm, I'm done. Do you want me? Do you want some music? Do you want me to put some music? We don't need I, any I, I music. Would, I would just say say one thing really quick before we close down. Well, you know, I was going to actually do the fair thing. If anybody else has anything else to say, because I've said everything. Yeah, just, just just real quick. I think 
you know, I listen to a lot of interviews like this, specifically like on The Breakfast Club and things like that. And it just reminds me that I remember I can't remember again. I'm not going to quote exactly, but I remember rapper T.I., he was I can't remember what the conversation was about, but I remember he says in this life that we have, you have to find something that you would be willing to die for. Yes. And so I didn't know Mandela said that. Mm-hmm. I, I, Mandela I, I think he might you know, he's a very, very knowledgable, intelligent man. Yeah. And I think that um, what, what I want to say is, is that we have to be in this with that mindset. When I went out to protest the other day in Atlanta, I left my house knowing that I may not come back. Yeah. I went and stood in this crowd of people knowing that at any given moment, um, my life over because I'm out here standing for a movement and I and I put into my mind that's one of the reasons why I intentionally went on protest that day because I said if this is how I'm going to die I'm I'm okay with that I'm willing to go through that because I'm dying for something that is going to be bigger and better of myself so I really really thank you for saying that like I'm fighting tears myself so thank you I'm crying this is thank you. Thank you so much. I, I know we need to come back. I just know it. I don't know when, but this was so good. It was cathartic for me because I've been looking for something to do. And so last week I talked to the moms. This week I was like, I'm going to talk to the men, dads, whatever. And before Eric takes us away, I did want to mention if you're a man and you're, if you're a dad and you're watching me, I do have an event coming up on the 27th of June. It is called Dr. Lulu's Dear Dad virtual summit you don't have to necessarily be a father but you know i would like you to come no it's not free i'm done with that free move that <laughs> but i would like you all to sign up for it it's going to be epic and then of course born out of this i had a blog that i posted for the month of june it was called 15 commandments of how to raise how to teach your child to be about racism and that got me all kinds of interviews and then someone was like you know what this is a good book. So I'm like, you know what? You're right. So guess what? Stay tuned for the book because I finished it last night. <laughs> it's ready to go. So stay tuned for my book. It's going to be called How to Teach Your Children About Racism. Something in that realm. Be on the standby. Other than that, I'll see you all next Sunday as usual. Eric, please take us away with a little bit of meditation. And let's everyone who's watching me, just get ready for a meditation, please. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So let's do this for us, the six of us here today right now so let's elevate our spines and open our hearts soften your eyes take a deep inhale let a long slow exhale out and let's also have this for your listeners dr lulu let them all participate let's invite them all into our container the one that you have created for us all. And for the future listeners to come upon this, allow everyone to continue to breathe a long, slow inhale and a long, slow exhale. And allow that passion to be felt Allow our hearts and our feelings and our emotions to be felt. And honor the space that we are in right now. And start to come into the body. Coming into our feeling body. And as we breathe, continue to breathe into the heart. 
As we breathe, continue to come deeper into the body and start to sense and start to feel where in our bodies we, we have an emotion, where in our bodies we have a sensation. And I'll provide a few phrases to offer to you all. And it's an offering of love and kindness onto yourself. And you can repeat these phrases silently or just simply follow along. May I be well. May I be free and safe from suffering. And may I be happy. If it's uncomfortable to wish yourself well, just noticing where there might be some resistance, where there might be some tightness in ourselves, where there might be some gripping still. And just noticing that without any judgments upon ourselves. Just bringing the awareness in. May I be well. May I be free and safe from suffering. May I be happy. And just bring the awareness in again. Is that resistance present? Is it a little bit more open than it was a moment ago? Coming back into the breath. The breath being the anchor point into our inner selves. The anchor point coming into the body to feel and to allow and to know ourselves from this intrinsic place. Allow the door of openness to come. And I'll bring someone to mind that we care about. Is it a teacher, a mentor? a family member, a friend, or even a four-legged friend full of fur. Keep them in mind as you use the phrases to wish them well. May you be well. May you be free and safe from suffering. And may you be happy. And imagine them receiving these wishes of wellness. Imagine them receiving the light of your love. Imagine them being 
showered with loving kindness, enveloped and cocooned in the soft grace from your heart. And I'll bring someone into mind who's having a difficult time. Someone outside of yourself who is also experiencing loss, who is also experiencing grief. Who is also feeling pain. Imagine this person sitting in front of you. And you're wishing them this love and wishing them this light and repeating. May you be well. And may you be free and safe from suffering. And may you be happy. Come back into your breathing. Come back into the anchoring of your own breath. Come back into your body. Staying present in this very moment. And then transmuting this shower of light and this shower of love. Not just here, not just within ourselves, but everywhere. Bring this around the entire globe. Bring this around every single one of us. Thread it through every single one of our humanities. Transmuting all space and time through all generations, past or future. And bringing back the words, may you be well. May you be free and safe from suffering. May you be happy. Reside in this moment in your own heart. Thank you, Dr. Lulu. And I think it's only fair for me to ask everyone who is here, where can the people find you? And then we'll let you guys go. Wow, y'all knocked out an hour and a half for me. Thank you so much. So Andy, I'm gonna start with you again. Where can the people find you, sir? I gotta wake up again. All right, let me get here. Sorry. Um, you can check me out. No, so that was great, Eric. Thank you. Um, you can check me out at theandygrant.com and you can find my podcast, Real Men Feel, on every podcast platform on earth. Thank you. Thank you. What about Blake? Where can the people find you? Um, you can find me. Um, I have diary of a mad black man for Instagram, 
Twitter, Facebook. Um, the handle is actually Diary of a MBM. Um, my name is Blake, Blake Johnson on Facebook. You can find me any way you can contact me. I'm open and willing to connect with like-minded people to continue the conversation and push the culture forward. What about Eric, Rishi? Where can people find you? I'm going alphabetical. <laughs> Simplest places, uh, my primary website, melaacademy.com, M-E-L-A academy.com. Simple. Right. Otherwise, he's Rishi Eric Infanti on Facebook. You can see that right there. Lawrence, where can people find you? People can find me uh, on Facebook, of course, uh, Lawrence Washington Jr. Please uh, follow my 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 business page and uh like it and follow me i guarantee you that i i aim to empower you that's my life mission um instagram as well at i am mr optimistic one so instagram and plus me and my wife we just launched our our website which is how to pull it up which is Say it again. I said, do your thing. Take your time. Yeah. Okay. Our website is I am Mr. Optimistic dot You can um, check that out as well. I'm looking to to just make an impact in this world. I believe that uh, uh, life is all about purpose, and and I believe that if we all would would focus on our individual purpose we wouldn't have most of it the issues that we have today so, so um, um that's what i'm all about yeah follow me please well definitely follow you guys we got 90 comments here i mean i don't think i've ever had 90 comments in like one space this is so good i, I can't even count the number of views anymore somebody did put your site, uh, Mr. Yeah, somebody already wrote your site for you on the on the on the comments. That's good. And then of course, last but not certainly last not least. Yeah. Sorry, what do you say, Lawrence? Sorry. That's my good friend Marcus. Oh yes, yes, he did. Yeah. And then and then last but not least, certainly, Namdi, where can the people find you? I know you're kind of in trans in transition, but where can the people if you want to, of course. Um, unfortunately, all my social media is private, but if you need to reach me, you can just reach out to Dr. Lily and she'll definitely put me in touch with him. Yes. The poor little guy has had to make his social media private because, you know, he's been traumatized a lot, but we'll just leave that alone. All right, folks. Thank you all so, so much again for joining me. May the heavens bless you and just open up a door for you. And, you know, remember, I do coach people across the globe. So just find me 802-768-1180. And of course, if you feel like hurting yourself, just before you do that, just do one more thing. Fold your socks, do your laundry, take a walk, take a run, call Dr. Lulu and I'll be there. Deuces, y'all. Peace out. Thank you so much. Banana, banana, banana.